0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. It's 2020, so many things have happened, but one of the biggest things that happened in the online landscape in Singapore in December... Was it December? December, November-ish was the the groundbreaking show by Netflix called Singapore Social.
1: Which explains why we're still on it. Yeah, we're still on it. After a few weeks, right?
0: Yeah, so, so just to give you a brief history, if you didn't hear our podcast that we made on the show... Uh, I was ready to shit on it, admittedly, after I saw the trailer. Then after I watched a couple of episodes, I was like, hmm, okay. There are cringy moments. There are, there are moments that I'm like, hmm, what, what is going on here? But I was entertained. So we did a podcast. We covered it. We shared our neutral, objective opinions. And we actually reached, uh, just when we posted it, we tagged the cast in it. And one by one, the tag, the cast started responding. And we got a few of them on the show. Uh, we interviewed Paul Foster, Vinnie Sharp, Nicole. And today, we have yet another person from Singapore Social.
1: She is the most colorful member yeah. of the Singapore Literally,
0: figuratively, yeah.
1: <laughs> Can you, I mean I mean just just when she when I saw her outside the office today, I was like, yeah. I can't miss this full this message <laughs> at all I'm from a mile away.
0: And that is none other than Suki Singapore.
2: Hi. Did I
0: say your name properly? <laughs> that Singapore- is correct. Yeah, yes. but it's spelled with an O, right?
2: Yeah, purposely. Like Dita Von T's is not spelled tees Oh, oh it's like cool. it's a burlesque thing. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so okay, so many questions. I guess before before we go into Singapore social, because one of my criticisms of Singapore social, even though overall I did enter- and, and and I was entertained, Thanks. was that we had no uh, idea how you guys knew each other and whatnot, and they didn't go into the exact background of who you guys really are. Which I guess is the point of reality show, like, You know, just dive in and is there. Right. So I've always been curious, like. Uh, Suki, Singapore, I know you touched on it a bit during the show, like how you came to Burlesque, uh-huh. and I know you were in IT before that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so is there like a quick <laughs> summary <Hello>. of, of <laughs> even your background, because I know you go between UK, LA, Singapore, yeah. and I know you're biracial, and I know your parents are half Indian, half UK, but everything is just in silos, so right, okay. to bring everything wow, together. Wow,
2: those are a lot of questions you have yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where would you like me to start? <laughs> yes. no, just, wow. just go ahead.
1: Because I, I yeah. I've heard instances of like, uh, oh, you saw a, a, a poster down the road that was oh. advertising for burlesque or something. Okay. And you walked in. So that sounded pretty awesome. <laughs> if you can tell the story to yeah. our audience, which probably is a different audience from other podcasts. Sure. Too.
2: Um, so um. my father's Indian-Singaporean, my mm-hmm. mother's Caucasian-British, yeah. and I am a half-half. you consider
1: yourself Eurasian?
2: Um. Um, I can consider myself Eurasian, but I identify, identify more culturally as Asian because that's okay. just the way I was brought up. Very okay. traditional. Very culturally traditional. So but you
1: were born in Singapore?
2: Um I grew up in Singapore. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um so But but yeah.
1: does it does that mean oh, sorry to interrupt, but just does that mean like family gatherings and stuff like all that? All of it, it's everything. Yep. The whole
2: Asian. family is is here, but um, I kind of, uh, as I got older, I I suppose I had to distance myself because I didn't fit in and Mm. I was seen as the naughty one. Um, And also my cousins are fully Singaporean and there was the joke that I was like Michael Jackson because um, I had paler skin, which is not actually funny, but at the time they thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. Whereas, there, I'm, I guess I'm sensitive about being Eurasian. I'm sure Paul would agree that we kind of grow up constantly being asked, where are we from mm-hmm. no matter where we are in the world? Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so that. And then as I was growing up, I was a geek. Um, I was creative, but I was a geek. Um, I was an artist, I suppose, in my heart, but my parents were very um, cautious about that. They're both doctors, and they were really keen on me learning sciences. And so I ended up going to university and majoring in geography, but Mm. a bachelor of science degree. And then I taught myself IT um, because I'm (laughs) a geek, I guess. Um, I taught myself programming. Um, and I got a job as an IT technician support and also programming and designing websites and Linux-based operating systems and virtual servers. Um, so you yeah, up, so you I'm an Indian that did IT. <laughs> 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 so,
0: so you grew up in Singapore and then you studied in Singapore? I
2: majored in the UK, okay. so hence my global citizen accent problem, um, okay. which mm. I can't control, by the way. I noticed that that's something that <laughs> people comment on, but I can't actually, I'm like possessed mm-hmm. by different cultures and I can't control my accent. So, so um, where
3: do
0: people normally think you're from? Right? When they they first literally
2: meet you. have no idea. They have absolutely no idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Honestly, they don't. Um, yeah. So
0: your citizenship, you are. <laughs> or,
2: <laughs> I now have a British citizenship. Yes. British. Yeah. British. Okay.
0: Yeah. Cool. So so um, okay. So that means you went to study in the UK and you've yeah. been based in the UK since then.
2: Um no, actually, then I went to LA and mm-hmm. then I moved back here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I guess it, I'm really a third culture kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up between Singapore and the UK. I always felt like I was neither one or the other. Um, in the UK, I was too Singaporean. In Singapore, I was too British. And it just really played on me. Um, so, yeah, when I when I was kind of learning IT and when I was um, a teenager, I started to explore vintage fashion as a way to express myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a way that I felt like I could fit into a genre that was irrespective of race or gender. It was just a pin-up look. And um, when I was studying in IT, I heard about burlesque and yeah you're quite right I heard that a club down the road was opening from me and it was auditioning for burlesque artists and it was like this calling where I'd been frustrated for so long and I had all these issues about my identity and I wanted to be an artist and I felt like I'd been forced to be a scientist and yeah so I just marched on in there and said I was a professional burlesque artist
0: but you knew of I mean so so to go from like I mean (laughs) Uh, I, okay, I had no
2: experience. I'd never, I'd never you... really heard of the genre of burlesque. Oh, I just really? stumbled across it uh, on the internet because I was v- looking at vintage fashion and how to express myself in yeah. terms of fashion. Yeah. Um. And then I heard about the word burlesque because a lot of the burlesque artists uh, pin up their vintage fashion enthusiasts, if you will. And so you kind of can't go into vi- the vintage scene without discovering mm-hmm. Um, I did train in classical ballet from the age of five, but again, it was an extracurricular, oh, so my parents okay, were okay. like... This is not your real job. It will never be your job. Like true, so, true parents. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so okay. So that means
0: you had some sort of performing experience. Um, yeah, kind of, I guess with, with I, I knew on.
2: how to move, yeah. um, but I didn't really. I wasn't a professional by any means. Had you um, performed
0: on stage uh, ballet before?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah yes as a bunny rabbit um wow and as a bat um Mm. i was always given like the weird roles um (laughs) but um that's quite sad actually uh but no not really at a professional level and not not into my teenage years um so i i actually suffer from stage fright which is probably because I, i suppose i wasn't given the opportunity to do it with in my adolescence, perform on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things in life where you see like, there's a sign and you feel like you have to go for it. Um, and I feel like there's so many people that say they have regrets in life. I didn't want to be one of those people. So, yeah. that yeah, is yeah. insane,
0: man. So, yeah. so, literally, it was within the span of a few days where you were working in IT then, yeah.
2: right?
0: You work, yeah. You so, were working. So, I'm guessing it started on the side of IT as like your side 100%,
2: hustle. 100%. 100%. It was a weekend. So, like, by day, I was Clark Kent and by night <laughs> I was like a showgirl and the two never met and no one had any idea in oh, the really? office because <laughs> it was a male-dominated office and I'm there with my specs programming with all my friends talking about like um, so long and thanks for all the fish or stranger in a strange land or why I like the Millennium Falcon and then <laughs> in the evening I'm <laughs> learning to be like an international showgirl um, so, so it's it quite Mondays a contrast
0: Also,
1: Suki, how was your, how was your weekend?
2: Fine <laughs> Absolutely fine. <laughs> How was your weekend? Wait, but I, see this, I see a
1: recurring pattern in that um, you actually self-taught yourself both IT Correct. and burlesque as yeah,
2: well. I'm yeah, very, I'm very self-motivated and I also feel like just because somebody doesn't allow you or just because you don't have the opportunities there's no excuse for you to learn something. I feel like if you truly want something you'll overcome mountains to follow your passion. So, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, it's always been something that I, I wanted to do. I feel like people who say I wish they could have done something just we have the the world at our fingertips with the internet era and you know if you really are genuinely passionate about something get online and teach yourself Mm -hmm. because there's absolutely no excuse not to there's tutorials you can become a plumber tomorrow if you want to watch all the youtube videos so is that your next
1: your next thing that you're training for (laughs) fixing (laughs) fixing pipes I mean I'm sure you you always have something that you're like learning and trying Um, to get better at
2: what am I trying to be better yeah, at, what, at what the are you doing moment? I, I actually had this dream last night, just tangent alert, um, that I was pl- playing the violin again, because um, I, I learned how to play the violin as a kid, and I was daydreaming about that, so I feel like I need to get back into that. Oh. Uh, so
0: when you were young, you were doing ballet, violin, mm-hmm. Like acts, what, what else? Um,
2: like minor acting, but improvisation, not what acting. What is all
0: your choice? Or?
2: Yeah, I wanted to. And so, okay. so like I'm this kid and I'm dancing around the living room and mm. and... <laughs> And my parents are like, "You are so smart. Don't waste it. Mm. Please don't waste it." Which is one of my gripes about people who go into art is the family think that if you're intelligent, that means that you can't do the arts because you're wasting your talent. No, if you're intelligent, it means you're going to succeed in the arts because you have the double brain. Surely, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then when I, when my parents found out I was doing burlesque, they reacted with, "We are shocked." I'm like, hello, have you seen the pictures from my childhood where I'm dancing around flouncing about the place in dresses and wanting to do music so and acting? How, how
0: did they find out? Did they chance upon it or was it like you sat them down? My and mom Googled
2: them- me. She thought I was still working in IT. Yeah, so I'd started to teach myself burlesque and I'd started to... I took on this job where I had seven days to teach myself burlesque off of YouTube because they asked me to start next week yeah. mm. when, I, when I went there. And... um I didn't realise, because it was in the UK, the theatre was based in the UK, I didn't realise just how significant it would be back home. Like, I didn't realise that... Not that I was the... F- I, I didn't realise I was the first um, person to really try that as a profession. Mm. And so, I'd kind of started to be approached by newspapers and therefore articles had started to be written about me. So, and the first
0: Singaporean to yeah, do that, I, I see,
2: Yeah, so... Um, so, I guess my parents were suspicious because they were seeing this character in the newspapers and they're thinking, wow, that looks mighty similar oh, <laughs> to our daughter. Who's in IT. <laughs> Black Kent
0: and,
1: whoa,
2: Superman. and so then uh, one, one day my so mom this was called when you to me. were in the UK
0: and yeah. they were in Singapore. And
2: my, they were in the UK, and my the rest of my family tipped them off, and I was in the UK. Oh, and,
0: so, so it was like a family um, investigation, thing. It was of thing. a
2: full menon investigation, investigation. Full wow. Indian hardcore manon investigation. Wow. You don't act like you don't know what that means. <laughs> it was a
0: WhatsApp,
1: the
2: WhatsApp group was probably
1: blowing
0: up. Yeah, way. man. Because I'm guessing yeah. your parents probably have a lot of siblings as well. So the the network of the menon network is is intense. It's intense. It's
2: it's intense, ex- intense. Full camping. Multiple anyway, continents. the whole yeah, thing. The whole yeah. Thing. So uh, yeah. So then my mom called me one day and she was like, "Suki, Singapore." I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit!" At <laughs> 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 that point, I had to come clean that that's what I was doing. In- so it
0: was over the phone that you told them.
2: I didn't tell them.
0: Is it you?
3: <laughs> I the, got you, uh, outed the,
2: yeah. the confrontation. Yep. yep, the confrontation. The standoff happened over the phone. And then really, you know what? I feel like I'd got to a point where I wanted to do it professionally and it was a sink or swim situation anyway. And you know, um the moments like that really pushed me to just stop relying on IT and stop thinking there was ever a fallback because you it's so easy to say, oh, but if I fail at this, at least I can go back to my job. Or if I fail at this, at least I am trained in IT. And it was a really, uh, I can't even remember how it went chronologically now because it was nine years ago. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to absolutely let go of IT life and safe fallback and just fully pursue burlesque because I only have my career to feed me Mm -hmm. Um, my parents didn't support me my family didn't support me financially I was literally if I didn't work I wouldn't eat I had to pay the rent Um, so I had to get good at burlesque and I had to book shows because if I didn't book shows I wouldn't be able to make my rent and that really pushed me to be the kind of I guess motivated driven person that I am now Mm -hmm. be that intense or not
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) so how many how soon after that did you the, the confrontation did you leave your job
2: um, gosh, I can't even remember whether I'd left my job by then or not. I really can't remember. Okay. But um, but you reach a point where you Yeah, you're like, it all like calm and it, it feels now like it all happened in one big monumentous moment. Um, but I'd, I can't remember precisely. But yeah, it was everything seemed to happen quite aggressively all at once. and mm-hmm. And it just made sense. And that's when I started touring as well internationally and learning my craft abroad i went to new york and i went to tokyo and i germany paris and milan and to perform just, and learn yeah to perform and learn
1: actually just, just going back a little bit right because you mentioned yeah. it in passing but i feel like a lot of young people that we speak to these days it's always that first step that they take that's always the hardest yeah. so listening to your story it sounds like How did the interview go when you walked into a club and said, I'm I'm a professional? They believed
2: me and they said start next Friday. Was it
1: just like the club owner or something? Yeah,
2: it was the club owner and he was like, well, you'll have to do an audition. But yeah, it was like start next Friday. I think they were just desperate for burlesque artists and there weren't burlesque artists in that tiny town of Chester in the UK. (laughs) To be honest with you, I feel like if, like (laughs) if if a raccoon had walked in, they'd probably like... Bingo. Can you juggle? Okay, so, uh, <laughs> so that
0: club, was it a burlesque club? Or it was a comedy club, actually. Oh, called oh the
2: Laugh Inn. Get it? Oh, Laughing, uh, The Laugh on. Inn. So yeah.
0: they were trying to diversify?
2: No, they they wanted it to be like a Las Vegas comedy experience. You know, back in the oh, old day of yeah. variety where okay, the okay, comedians okay, okay. would come on yeah. and then the showgirls would like yeah, hold up the names yeah. and it would be an experience, like old school clubs again. Yeah. So they were looking for that caliber of artist. Yeah. Um, and... They got me. <laughs> <laughs> how were you feeling when you walked in? And, and, oh, and were God. you like?
1: Did you feel like an imposter trying to like?
2: Yeah, but I've always felt like a little bit of an imposter syndrome. Even just existing, I feel like that. But um, yeah, I, I I couldn't believe that it would work. Yeah. And when it did, and they said yes, I remember sweating, but trying not to break face. And then I kind of went around the corner because my friend came with me, and she was. We, I remember we ran around the corner and, like, once we were out of sight, we were just like, oh, my God! <laughs> but we tried to, like... Be as professional as possible in the meeting. Like, no, we are professionals, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total <laughs> professionals. And then we, as soon as we got around the corner, it was just like, oh my God, I can't believe they bought that. So
1: your friend joined you as a Bolesk dancer?
0: She
2: did, yeah, Lisa. Oh shit.
1: Yeah. And then this was pre YouTube or whatever where they would ask for, for a reference.
2: Hell yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, yeah.
1: so you went there
0: on the night itself, you got the gig. Or did you go... No, to no, 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 no. They no. gave me a week. Oh, they gave so I had, a week. So
2: I had seven days to teach myself off of oh, YouTube. No,
0: so they agreed to having you They the agreed day to have you me in.
2: the day I went in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit. Were there any other dancers? This is what I'm telling you. This is what I'm telling you. I'm not convinced there were. I feel like they were desperate. <laughs> but also, also, can I tell you one thing as well? I feel like if you're passionate enough about something, yeah, yeah. you can actually... You know, you can, it's almost like I wake up every day and one of my favorite quotes is Muhammad Ali who says... I am the greatest yeah. and I really wake up every day and I brainwash myself into thinking you are the greatest because I have no other choice. Mm-hmm. So if you don't brainwash yourself into believing you can do it, you, if there's any fragment of doubt, you can't, you, you won't, you won't achieve it mm-hmm. because you're, you're being safe to, you you're giving yourself that out yeah. the possibility yeah. that you may fail. And so I think with everything that I've done in life, I've always gone into it going, yes, you can, because you have to. And I think I must have come across that way in the interview where I literally must have wanted it so badly because of the culmination of my upbringing, feeling like I wasn't either race, everything that had gone before that to led to that point, feeling like I wanted to do art, but my parents wanted me to do science. Every single step that came before it led to the conviction in my voice that they must have thought, shit. We need to give this girl a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know?
0: So your friend also had not tried burlesque before. Hell no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen the first performance. It was really quite awful, actually. Okay, can um, you tell us about it? So it was wow. it was
0: like a, Like what you said, a variety show night mm. where there was yeah. a com- comedian and then you three
2: hundred people in the audience. Okay.
0: So yeah. it's like a theatre of a stage. <laughs>
2: oh, it was it. a full theater with a mausoline. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so, 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 so.
0: Where is Chester?
2: It's near Manchester. Oh. Near Manchester. Yeah.
0: So it's a it's a kind of a, a, a townish. Kind it's of... a
2: town that claims it's a city, but really it's more like a village. It's but a it's village. quaint.
0: Quaint, okay, yeah. quaint. So in this quaint little village, yeah, <laughs> you and Lisa <laughs> were doing your first burlesque performance.
2: That is a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> so yeah. Can you oh. tell, yeah. Us,
0: tell us what happened.
2: Um. Well. <laughs> If I could just add to this NB, yeah. <laughs> the point of burlesque is not to be the best dancer in the world. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really crucial point because the p- spirit of burlesque is to make the crowd feel something and also make women around the world believe that if you can do it, they can do it too. Mm-hmm. So it's about the spirit. It's about having confidence um, and just... B- feeling empowered as a woman. So actually, even though it went horribly wrong and things got stuck and it turns out you can't undo a zip from behind unless you attach a ribbon, lessons Mm -hmm. that I have Uh now Uh learned. A lot of fumbling. Okay. (laughs) Also make sure that you can step out of your dress. You don't do like that one legged hop. Those are crucial things (laughs) that I have learned in my career. Despite that, burlesque actually originated from Italian theater and the word burlesque means to poke fun at. It's supposed to be a comedic act and the audience loved it because they really got behind us in in a sense of they just enjoyed it. They enjoyed to bubbly vivacious girls trying their hardest to absolutely nail something that they clearly enjoyed and I think as well the, the help that it was at a comedy club so mm-hmm. people weren't there to watch Swan Lake so they just loved it and the audience gave this massive applause and I just remember it being one of the most exhilarating moments of my life and all my friends I got in the front row to pretend like yeah I had these mega fans woo <laughs> it's like Tina and Hannah on the front row going yes and they're my friends actually they're not just audience members enjoying. It but the crowd did enjoy it, and um, and that's why they asked us to come back.
1: But did you have the name Suki Singapore at that time um,
2: already? Wow, I had the name Suki, I don't think I had the name Singapore that came, yeah, that came later. I remember the exact. Turning point of which that happened. Okay. So wow, no one's ever asked me that before. I've no, really? never like, discussed this. We've, really? we, we had an extensive discussion. They've about, never said, "When did you become Suki Singapore?" Yeah, or?
1: because even titling a show "Singapore Social," we even had a discussion about that, right? Yeah. Uh, how how it would incite. The emotions in people, right? So I, I can see when you put Singapore, it's a very you've thought a lot about it, and you've you've really. You think so? Because yeah. I, I literally use
2: my it. first name on my country. No, because it's a
1: poorer, yeah. Pora, P
0: O R A. Okay, but so that was, was that kind of just something. Yeah, I yeah. suppose so. Yeah. I
2: suppose so. But also that that was in part because I knew that I wanted to you know, take on an international market that didn't really know where Singapore was. Mm -hmm. So if you put Mm -hmm. Singapore, which is obviously the most, you know, we, we know, we know they don't know. (laughs) So you you said
1: there was a specific turning point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, um, so I, I really enjoyed that performance and I felt like it was my calling. Mm -hmm. I had struggled so hard and I felt like finally I was doing something for me that I wanted to do, that I felt like I, I was born to do burlesque, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. I guess I was just born to express myself artistically, regardless of the genre, but this really fit for me. Um, and I wanted to be good at it. And I wanted to, you know, back then, um, if you look at the older pictures of me, I didn't really know how to be a burlesque artist. I didn't really know how to stand out. I thought you had to just look like Marilyn Monroe. And it's something that I'm not particularly proud of, but I feel like we're all going on a journey that I felt like, you know, you had to have a pale skin aesthetic and I dyed my hair blonde because I was still learning to be accepting of who I was, you know, and especially if you're biracial, it's kind of like the... People force you to pick one, which is pretty horrendous actually growing up because you Mm. feel like you've got to pick one. So I kind of like made myself more Caucasian because I thought, oh, I'll make myself more like Marilyn Monroe or Mm -hmm. Dita who has that porcelain skin. Perhaps that's what burlesque is. And I remember going to um, somebody who was in the burlesque industry in Chester. I I found her and I messaged her and I said, hey, can you meet up with me? Because I actually want to become good at this and I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Truly, I don't. And she sat down with me at the Slug and Lettuce. (laughs) And um, she said to me, you need an angle, you know, and you need to be yourself. And you you don't try and be another Vitita on or another Marilyn Monroe. Just try and be you. Try and be the only Suki. Like, what separates you from people in this burlesque industry? And I said, well, I guess I'm, I'm Indian. I'm Singaporean. And she said, well, you know, play on that work on that embrace that stop hiding from that weave that into your performances and I guess that's when I really wrote out on a piece of paper Singapore and that's when I decided to really embrace my culture my heritage my upbringing and bring that into my art and instead of being a stereotypical pinup, I became a Singaporean burlesque artist in my head I was I was accepting then of my my ethnicity my culture um That was really grounding for me, actually. And I remember the first prop I ever made um, with help from my friend Carrie was some feather fans, but instead of feathers, I used palm leaves because Uh. I felt like that was really, you know, because people would ask me why and then I could talk about Singapore and the art scene in Singapore. And it really felt like it wasn't just about burlesque anymore. It was. Yeah. As, it became meaningful. It, become, it became bigger than what I was as well because it, it wasn't just about me finding myself and finding my culture, but it was also about making people understand that Singaporeans don't look the same. Mm. We're not part of China, which is the constant thing that mm-hmm. I get in the yeah. UK. And also we do have a diverse art scene and we can expand and celebrate and be unique. And I think that's when not only did I learn to accept myself culturally and really be at peace with myself and my skin and who I was and being, you know, a Anaya um, from Kerala, my grandparents were from Kerala, but also it took on this role of now I'm representing Singapore. Mm-hmm. So I want to do a good job and I want to weave that into everything that I do because I'm proud of it.
0: Did, did like MFA get in touch with you? Ministry of Foreign <laughs> Affairs saying you know the uh, Singapore Tourism Board or something get in
3: touch with you. The use of the word Singapore. <laughs> the use of the true. word
0: Singapore.
2: <laughs> um, no. So, so that
0: was the turning point. And then after that, that was your your stage name. Right? That was your persona. Yeah, that was, your brand. that was.
2: I guess that was my persona. But also, I feel like I, I don't have a persona because I'm always me. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of people say, oh, but if you're shy and you're confident on stage. Like, who's the real Suki? But actually, I feel like I embody all of those things. You know, mm-hmm. it just depends on the day, the mood. I'm, I guess I'm just a multifaceted human being with ups and downs. So mm-hmm. um, I guess when I'm on stage, that's like the, the ultimate up, right? The ultimate high. And then when I'm off stage, sometimes just eating snacks with some cats. Like, that's the ultimate. I don't know.
1: Mm. So deconstruction do you, of that. But do you identify yourself as a introvert or extrovert or do you find that there's no I differences between the two? I
2: am an introverted extrovert. Uh, so, okay. I am naturally very awkward and shy, but in front of an audience and a film crew and a stage, I become more extroverted. Mm-hmm. And that's bizarre to me because I'm not trying to be. It's almost like a million light bulbs going in go, go off in my head. And I get this adrenaline that feels like it's consuming me and it just comes out. I become like larger than life, which can actually come across as occasionally quite annoying because when I'm super hyper and hyped up, um, then I'm, I talk a lot, but on the flip side, when I'm not like energized to that point, um, I'm, I'm very, very, very shy and quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I guess, I mean, you see that... I mean, since we entered this industry, that's what I've noticed about some of the... the especially comedians that I really respect. Their off-stage and on-stage persona is very different. <laughs> which, which to me... I mean, even when people watch our videos and they meet me in person, they're like, you know, as funny in your as you are in your videos. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the point of editing, right? You can cut out all the pauses and all that. Right. At yeah. least
2: you get to edit yours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Badum>. <laughs> but, but so, I mean...
0: Because interesting that you
1: say that even with a film crew, you feel... Somewhat. Yeah. So does that mean that the personality, yeah, the personality of Suki Singapore that we saw on Singapore social was the one that were, adrenaline was just rushing through you all the time, and um, thinking what to say to Vinny? Well, I haven't watched it, so okay.
2: I don't know what mm. you guys saw <laughs> um, because I don't really like watching my work back. I tend not to watch my work mm-hmm. back because okay. um, I'm a perfectionist, and I would I would deconstruct it too much to the point of which I drive myself insane. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm self critical constantly. Mm. However, yeah, I think so. I think being surrounded by 20 people even though I look like I'm alone in a room can mm-hmm. supercharge my emotions. I know that I definitely fugly cried. That mm. I'm I know I did because I remember crying. That's <laughs> <in the garage. laughs> Um, Burrage. Burrage, yeah. Burrage. Yeah. Burrage. wow, that's Foster's, so weird because you're describing what happened in my life a year ago, but I guess it's, Oh God. There was um, that. yeah. <laughs> so I guess things like that <laughs> happened because I'm not necessarily that emotional about the situation. Mm. I am supercharged because I'm on camera and therefore I have this silent audience and so all my emotions are exasperated Mm -hmm. so if i'm going to get sad i'm going to get very sad or if i'm happy i'm going to be extremely happy or Mm -hmm. if i swear a little bit i'm probably going to swear a lot um so yes in a sense even though you become comfortable with the cameras if you're an artist or an entertainer that is an introverted extrovert you can't help being slightly um super wired, supercharged mm-hmm. because of the circumstances of which you're in. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So then, so you haven't watched it, but I'm sure you've been getting a lot of uh, feedback via DMs yeah. and messages. So so then how do you, how do you deal with that given that you don't know what they are watching? Because from what um. we understand, speaking to Vinny, Paul, uh, and Nicole, and even from our own productions for on the street videos where we can be filming like hours of footage and only we get out three minutes. Mm. So, Yours from there was a shit ton that was recorded, right? Yeah, for so uh, almost four months. Yeah, so you don't know what made it into the actually no idea. So when people respond, I mean, message you, what yeah. are they messaging, and how do you respond? Do you tell them, uh, "I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but thanks"?
2: <laughs> no, because now I have a sense of a vague. I have a vague idea mm-hmm. of what. Ha- of what was used and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. But still, occasionally stuff, surprise, stuff surprises me. Like one person messaged, oh, I love that you can't ever put your handbag on the floor. Hmm. I was like, wow, that is the least interesting part about... <laughs> but oh it's, my true. God. <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
3: We, her it's handbag true. is right here on true. the <laughs> chair. You,
2: I just turned yeah. around.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but to be fair, we have, we have like chairs everywhere. Yeah, we
0: have so chairs everywhere. It'd be to put it on the floor than put it on the. <gasps> no, no yeah.
2: you lose money. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, that's like one of the least interesting. I would consider that one of the most no, you least think you interesting said things it in about it. episode. Somebody said that to me. They DM'd to yeah. me and they were like.
0: She said it. She said it. When India Mama Nicole or something. Uh, oh my god, we sound like such groupies. We oh, remember in episode seven on the fifteenth minute. No, I think it was in one scene, because I remember you you saying that. And I was like, oh that's exactly what my mom would say. Not to say yes, that. You, yeah, no, literally <laughs> yeah.
2: exactly this this was the DM. They were like, My Indian mom also agrees. Yeah, yeah. I'm exactly. like, oh my god, yeah, I did say that a year ago. But it's actually something that I do. So I didn't realise that that would ever make a cut in a TV show on Netflix, but there yeah. you go. Yeah. Um so clearly they used uh, the most intellectually charged moments in my life. Um uh-huh. Um, No, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, But yes, I do get a sense of it. But mostly the feedback has really been incredible. My Mm -hmm. personal feedback has mostly been really, really phenomenally kind. And Mm -hmm. I'm a very sensitive person. That Mm -hmm. I I can tell you. I'm an extremely sensitive person. I'm not fragile, but I am sensitive and emotional because I just wear my heart on my sleeve. And so I was afraid that when the show came out personally i would receive i i didn't know what people i thought people might think that i was like a bizarre clown that was dressing in a peculiar way and wanted attention i was afraid that that people would say that but they haven't they've noticed that actually i'm shy and therefore i'm not doing it for attention it's just who i am Mm -hmm. I, i have to express myself and also um young girls wanting to kind of be be me like moms are sending in videos of their young girls saying I want to be a unicorn like Suki which is really cute um and then other people saying that I've inspired them to push forward in a career and work hard despite adversity so I know there's some beef that must have gone down (laughs) (laughs) for people to say that like oh yeah you're welcome um but really I was just trying to get through the filming process and live Mm -hmm. my life but um it's all been Great. Of course, you can't go without one or two keyboard warriors. That I feel like are just um, they. That's just that's just a sign of the times. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. majority have really been inc- absolutely incredible, and so I feel like as long as I've impacted people in a positive way then I'm really happy with that I, yeah. I can hold my head high and say I wouldn't have done anything differently and I would have still filmed it yeah. had I been given that choice again
1: I, yeah. I think you mentioned before in the previous podcast that uh, now there is a community in Singapore right of of burlesque yeah. like over 300 yes.
2: dancers or something wow. <laughs>
1: so, but you you said coming back um, to Singapore and wanting to bring it here you were pretty sure that you'd be facing a lot of barriers and, yeah. and strange looks from people Yes. well there's some of the 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 meanest or worst things that that people when you started to meet people and ask tell them that you want to do burlesque in Singapore and then like I mean were there any clubs or, or you know owners of clubs or anything who were saying uh, things about uh, your performance that you weren't you weren't, uh, that, that made made it um, really difficult for you because I, I we just try, I'm trying just trying to find out in Singapore's context mm. especially because we're such a you know like uh, such a a society that's just restrained. So restrained, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it must have been tough, right? This was like years ago, right? When you first came, yeah, back.
2: um, 2000. I feel like it's 2013, yeah, it yeah. was 2013. Um, it was tough, but actually, I'll tell you one thing the majority of pushback I got was from men. And I feel oh. like there's something extraordinarily intimidating about a woman who's in control of her sexuality and doing an art form where 80% of my audiences are usually couples or women. Mm. So essentially, you're doing a routine that involves elements of striptease by women for women. So there's no real place for a guy. So some of the club owners would say that they didn't want a stripper in the venues, which I feel like is one of the most common misconceptions mm-hmm. about burlesque. I'm sure if you look watched uh, the performance that I did during the show um you'll know that there's absolutely no nudity so um yeah there was a lot of that and and men just feeling uncomfortable by you saying that you wanted to do burlesque um women actually surprisingly most women were interested about it and said that they wish they had the confidence to be able to do burlesque or they wish they had the confidence to do what I did um Mm. so that's that was nice, but there was a lot of pushback and a lot of judgment as well. Um,
0: and these were people f- in positions of, like, decision-making positions, like both, club owners? Both, or... both,
2: both. Um, like, just grounds roots, uh, people that you meet in the street to mm-hmm. club owners, um, to the point of which, it, you know, you would get in a car or you'd be with your fr- friends and family and they would ask, what do you do? And you'd feel like you had to... <laughs> well, I certainly felt like I, at times I would have to say, oh entertainment because it's just not worth mm-hmm. the, the, um, the fight with people who refuse to kind of understand. However, um, I think as with anything, if you are put into a position where you are representing an art form and you're, you, you've become an inadvertent figurehead of that faculty, mm-hmm. yeah. if you conduct yourself with grace, and you make it a point of which you're not just being a burlesque artist, but you are always including a rhetoric of what burlesque is with everything that you do, and you are presenting yourself tastefully, then I think you start to educate and people understand and they become less threatened and they realize that art, a burlesque is not. An art. And that's really what happened. And also, I feel like a lot of the change and yeah. the, the hard work I did in making it more accepted really happened internationally when I was learning burlesque in New York and I was Mm -hmm. literally paying for my flights to go to by by doing like four shows a night Tokyo and speaking to people and then them saying wow it's so great that Singapore has burlesque and it's a common theme with us and I think I'm not going to be the only one who would say this but when we get international acceptance we tend to go oh yeah, no, no, no. She's one of us. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Do you know what of I mean? Course. And so it was one of those things where bec- maybe it's because I'm half British. I don't know, but I don't really feel like that was a play because I don't really go on about my British side of my family because I do feel more Indian in a mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was very much that, well, everyone had started to say internationally at uh, clubs in the UK and clubs in New York. Wow, this is so great that Singapore has burlesque. And then a lot of the club owners are like, oh, wow, Uh, hey, Suki, can you come and do burlesque here? Uh, (laughs) Because people had started talking about it. And when I was was, uh, lucky enough, I suppose, to be uh, nominated and shortlisted for an Asian Women of Achievement Award in the UK and then invited to Buckingham Palace, and that was really the final um, straw when it came to, oh, okay, well... That's credible then. That's legit. Oh, I think yeah. it
0: was that article that I first came across. I was like, holy shit, Singapore has a ballast <laughs>
2: Because of that, it was wow. some award
0: yeah. uh, ceremony for Asian women. Oh, shit. And that was when?
2: Oh, my God. Um, I feel like that was, was it 2014? Yeah. Some Something like that, 2013, 2014. Oh, yeah. And then on t- 2015, it was SG50. Mm. And we looked around because the world was suddenly looking at Singapore. And we tr- went to search our diverse artists, mm-hmm. and then suddenly it was like, uh, oh, would you like to do a performance? So, yes. So, yes, where I did
0: you perform for SG50? Um,
2: I performed at, that was the first ever public performance of burlesque and it was at the fullerton bay hotel clifford pier i remember being so shit scared because i'm getting on the flight and i'm thinking oh my god everyone knows i'm gonna get stopped at customs or something because i'm doing burlesque but no um that was like one of the most proudest moments in my life and i do remember as well getting to the end of the routine and i could you know when somebody's clenching their teeth behind you and you can Mm. feel it burning into your skull there's this moment where i have to take off my bra let's Mm -hmm. just say (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I feel like people didn't believe that Singapore was going to allow the first ever burlesque routine (laughs) and so just as I get to this (laughs) moment you know it's It's like they're they're (laughs) clenching it's like their butt cheek clenching (laughs) on their seats and I could feel it so this was
0: at Fullerton uh, at Clifford Pier. it's that long long kind of restaurant-y place or something right?
2: yeah but they changed it all to be like more of a like a supper club kind of thing so who
0: was in the audience?
2: It was the Singapore Repertory Theatre. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah! Shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out to Gaurav. Thanks for taking a chance on me.
0: And you were the only performer, right?
2: Only ballast performer. Only ballast performer. So, yeah.
0: basically, when you were on stage about to take off your bra, you were yeah. the only person on stage, all eyes on you.
2: Yeah, I had two backing dancers, but they were low on the podium and they were looking up to me for the final, like... And then I could feel the audience going... And then I did it and everyone cheered. And I was like, I felt so proud and it's not because, you know, oh my gosh, she's so proud because she took off her bra. No, 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 no. That's not a place where I'm coming from. The reason why I was so proud is because I felt in control of my sexuality as an Asian woman and in control of my sexuality in a patriarchal society and in control of my sexuality for no one else but myself. And that was such a powerful moment as an Indian biracial woman in Singapore. I can't even begin to explain. It wasn't about the action of striptease. It was about what it represented and breaking down taboos and stereotypes and everything I'd worked hard to challenge. And the fact that it was in conjunction with the Singapore Repertory Theater, and then I went on to do the Boudoir Noir Presents the Box for F1, which Mm. was STB-backed. The fact that it was being seen as credible, a woman feeling empowered, doing something that should have been considered art at the very start, was just such an incredible moment for me. I really felt like I'd, I'd achieved something and succeeded.
0: Yeah, I mean, even now hearing it, especially in this day and age, first of all, I think if you were to come back now and do it, there'll be petitions, which you could, <laughs> which you could hold as a badge of honour or not. Like, well. to, But I mean, just I can't imagine the moment also like, because... Yeah, like, it, it's just, I mean, they weren't playing, playing uh, Majula Singapore or something, right? During no, the- that would have been
2: weird. <laughs> that would have been very so uncomfortable like- to me. <laughs> no, yeah, no. So the <laughs> fact
0: that, yeah, I mean, as much as I'm always like, uh, you know, this kind of SG, like, I grew sick of SG50 because it's almost too much propaganda. Right. But, but I think the fact that you were doing it at an SG50 event Man, yeah, so props to whoever was... Well, it wasn't
2: necessarily an SG50 event, but it was was in the year of SG50. You know what I mean? It was the year of SG50, so it felt pivotal. Yeah. It felt pivotal, which is possibly why... I don't know whether it was that why I was booked. I have no idea, but it just felt like there really was change. Um...
0: Because I think in Singapore, the way I see it, like people in the authorities, they know that that, that Singapore has talent like this, that Singapore has people willing to do this, but it's the old guard that, that pushes back. 100%. So I'm sure there were people in the deciding committee or whatever to, to who were championing you, mm. and they were probably the younger crowd saying that, yo, Singapore has fucking talent, you know, like, mm. let's show it. And, mm. and yeah, so props to them.
2: Thank you. Thanks yeah. so much, guys. Actually... Do you know what? Just bringing it back to Singapore Social, I really feel like there's similarities in how I felt then to how I feel now with this show. Because the thing about Singapore Social is that it's also a first. First of all, it's the first ever unscripted docuseries set in Asia with an all Asian cast. Mm-hmm.
0: For so- Netflix?
2: For for global release,
0: okay. For global release, okay. yeah.
2: And even though it's reality TV, they can call it unscripted docu series. To the sun comes down, it's reality TV. Mm-hmm. The fact is, is that we always in in Hollywood historically, and I use the term Hollywood lightly, mainstream entertainment industry, if you will, were given the role of the white person's geek friend, yeah, or. The, the, the nerdy kid who has braces and says something hilarious, the comedic sidekick. Or if we're given a, a, a movie, we're super rich in it. Mm. Or if, we're you, you know what I mean? We're, we're constantly stereotyped. And whilst Singapore Social does involve a bunch of people who have worked really hard and therefore, well, speaking for myself have managed to achieve a certain level of success. The point is, is that we can still headline a reality show. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't we be able to be as Asians, whatever we want to be, shouldn't we able to dominate every single genre of TV? It shouldn't, isn't that such a phenomenally powerful thing that you can see trash TV yeah. and it be an all Asian cast. Yeah. Isn't that something that we should be proud of? Just scratch the fact that you may or may not like it. Have a think about the fact that that's groundbreaking, that all Asians can do something like the Hills mm. and there be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, and, and Asians of all colors. Yeah. Not only that, but they've chosen Singapore to be that first. Mm. And I think it's easy to kind of get on your high horse and and write about the place and say, oh yeah, but it's trash TV. But really, I think like I felt in that moment when I was doing that first burlesque performance and how I feel now, I think we're gonna look back on this and go, wow, that was a really cool thing that we did in Singapore there. And, I, and you can already see, since it came out on November 22nd, you can already see a, a, a change of acceptance. And I really, really hope that, unlike my burlesque career, it doesn't require international acclaim for us to be proud of ourselves. Mm. Regardless of whether you feel like you can relate to us, we're still just... A bunch of Singaporeans from all all shapes and sizes, all colours, all mixes, just working really hard to do something for our country that hasn't done be- been yeah. done before. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I've had to I've had to actually personally defend the show from like friends in the industry and outside who have DM'd me and said, "Hey, you, sh- you are promoting Singapore social too much, <laughs> uh? Come on, it sucks." And I'm like, "No, no, the guys, you guys haven't even watched the show and and." Understand that the stories, you know, beyond like the first episode, uh, I think mm. you start going to people's personal stories. Mm. Um, there's, there's just so much related relatability there for a Singaporean, right. Like, like you know, you you talk about your struggle with burlesque, and, and I merely think of like us, you know, knocking on doors and and saying, oh, we're YouTubers, and yeah. we, we like we actually do funny videos for a living, uh, and it's even tough. They, they We're not even, and we are just one YouTuber out of a whole industry of YouTubers you are representing a whole industry and walking into Singapore and saying, I am, basically you are saying, I, this is burlesque. Yeah. And I'm the one person. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that kind of struggles are, you know, it's, I can't even fathom how, how, how it is, but it's still super relatable for, right. f- even for us. In yeah. position. Uh,
2: but and and even regardless or not of how it was edited and whether you think you yeah. can or whether you enjoy it or not, the point is, is that we got that. Yeah. Singapore got that Netflix yeah. show. Honestly, Mm -hmm. we got that to Mm. represent Asians internationally. Singapore got that show. Isn't it great? Like I would rather look at like what Singapore has done recently for popular culture and go, Yeah, you know what? I'm so glad we got a reality T V show, shitty or not, on Netflix, then we're so excited that Trump shook hands with (laughs) Do you Yo, know what I mean? I know which I'd ride. rather. Yeah. I know which yeah. r- I'd rather. So are you yeah. more proud of that than this? No. I think we need to just get our shit together. So
0: so can I ask like most of those keyboard warriors that have been like sending you like shitty comments, are well, they Singaporean?
2: Yeah, actually only Singaporean. Only Singaporean. No, <laughs> so yeah. I know that's so weird, right? <laughs> but, but it's not surprising. It's, not surprising. Uh, it's because, so crazy. Because, so did you
0: did you even watch the trailer when it came out on November 8th? Yeah, I think? okay.
2: So so they made me watch the trailer they were like come on Suki stop being ridiculous watch the trailer yeah. and I watched the trailer and I was like wow where's all my money <laughs> okay <laughs> cool where's
1: all my money as in god as
2: in, damn it I look mega rich you look like crazy
1: rich <laughs> yeah. crazy rich well.
2: I'm
3: like,
2: really <laughs> I want to know where all my fucking money is Um, but that but also I kind of thought you know what that's really really cool that it's set in Singapore and we're real humans and we're not acting and that's and also I liked it because I don't know whether any of you are hardcore fans listening that go back to the Crazy Rich Asians premiere where as a brown Asian and a brown Singaporean I felt very uncomfortable by the movie Crazy Rich Asians. And I know it's a book and I know it follows a Chinese family, but to have the standout roles of brown people be the security yes. servants <laughs> yeah. knocking on a car like yeah. monkeys in a safari jungle tour, yeah. for me, being a brown Singaporean made me very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. And so to see... Such diversity ethnically and be able to go, hey, these are all Singaporeans for our show actually made me really, really proud because I know that if I was myself growing up and this show came out, I would feel like finally I could relate to somebody and go, yeah, I'm Singaporean. You know yeah that that's me on TV I I, I have a voice I have like a, a representation and I feel like especially as we're becoming more culturally blended and if we are who we say we are which is a, a country that accepts racial harmony that that was really that's what I liked about the trailer was, so, was seeing full representation so do
0: you like based on what you're saying just now do you think Singaporeans will only appreciate it if he wins an Emmy or something
2: you know what it might actually require that it might actually require that but i tell you how phenomenally powerful would it be if every single person right who's who 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 might put their energy into slagging off the show how phenomenally powerful would it be if we all got behind the show we got an award for the show or we got a season two And this became one of the biggest shows in the world where we had the liberties of them be able to steer the narrative towards something with a little more intellectual prowess. Mm -hmm. How phenomenal would that be? Because really, feedback can only be applied to a show if there's another show. So how incredible would it be if we really got behind this show and made this win a Award. Yeah. So, do you, so know what I mean?
0: do you? I mean, do you know if there's any any talk of season two, or are you not at liberty to say?
2: Oh no, no! I mean, we're only six weeks old, so I think it's oh, probably yeah, it's too only six early weeks, to say. Holy shit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you are still
0: in touch with the with the cast, right? Yeah, I'm
2: seeing them tonight
0: because you're recording something for we, Chinese oh, New Year. Yeah,
2: we, we're recording a little video for Chinese New Year. I On think it, your
0: own, or like for Netflix, or is no, it like no, no, a together, of together, Singapore social no, meets No, no,
2: Chinese no, no, New Year. Oh, Just okay. together, <laughs> just for fun. I think it's really important that. We've been through a lot together as a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's really important to unite and really just uh, show that we are all proud of what we've done. And just get together and really support the show because I think it deserves that. Even if you, know, you don't like the subject matter, I think what it stands for is, is bigger, than, bigger than that.
0: So is it going to be like, what kind of video? is it? Uh, I have
2: literally no idea. So oh, Nicole no idea. rounded us up and she was like, hey guys, do you want to do like a Chinese New Year video? And it's really impossible to get us all together. Yeah. It's so difficult because all of our schedules are nuts. Um, but she managed it somehow, minus Vinny, who's in Hong Kong. Um, mm-hmm. And he comes back tomorrow, which is so annoying because I leave tomorrow. So this was oh. the most of us mm-hmm. um, in the best day for everyone. So yeah, she was like, do you want to do it? And I said to her earlier today, I was texting her and I said, what are we actually going to do during this video? Because A, I'm a not wearing thing? red and B, I'm not carrying any oranges. And <laughs> and C, I'm like, now the token Indian because Vinny is in here. Yeah. And she's like, I, I don't know. We'll just figure it out. Oh, <laughs> so
0: a meeting and then just...
2: <laughs> very stressed about this.
0: Oh, <laughs> huh, that is interesting. Maybe it's
1: a gambling thing like, like that, that scene that they had where they we drove Ferraris. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> They Lincoln did? Play. Yeah, so oh. that was where Nicole uh, and her parents met the the person she was dating. What's his name? Alson. Alson, Alson. See, we know so much. Whoa, Olsen. this is really uh, creepy. You know more <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. about my friends than it I do. so creepy, so
0: creepy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and they drove in with Ferraris and Lamborghinis. And Actually,
0: then, it was a cutaway. We don't even know who yeah, drove those, those cars, cars. Yeah. So I guess that was one of the things. They got why...
2: to drive Ferraris and you Lamborghinis? Know, so, so, I mean, I guess it was... Pissed.
0: No, they didn't drive. No one drove. They just had okay. it as a cutaway. Oh, so, so think, anyone's car? Yeah. Cool. So I think, uh. I think that's where the show, uh, people were like, eh, this is not Singapore. This is not reflective of Singapore. But that's like a whole other argument. But that one scene, uh, there was cutaways of like a bunch of fancy cars. Like very much crazy rich Asians. Well, I like, can
2: like, tell you for sure. None yeah. of us own those cars. <laughs> 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 they might. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Wait, but aren't
1: the, aren't the producers giving you shit for not watching the show? Like, the, No,
2: no. Like, it's a personal choice. Already. And um, yeah, they don't... They, Look, here's the thing. It's a personal choice. And also, I'm very proud of the show. And I'm, I, I'm promoting it. And I'm living vicariously through people's reactions. And I actually prefer that, to be honest mm. with you. And I think they'd give me shit if I said nothing about the show ever. Mm. Um, but I'm not. I love the show. I'm embracing the show. And I don't need to see an edited version of me or an, an edited version of the people that I work with to know who I am or be proud of my work. As long as it's entertaining, that's all that matters. So, so is, is it
0: a fight that you have to constantly, constantly struggle? Like, I want to watch it, I want you to know, but I can't. Or no, is just very... Uh... It's
2: it's... The fight is, oh my God, is this... Has this DM got a video or a screenshot in it And can I look away fast enough not to catch myself?
1: Oh, you don't even want to see. No,
2: I'm so, man, I honestly, so people tag me and they're like, oh, I love this scene. And I look at myself and I go, you are ridiculous. You're ridiculous. (laughs) I got, yeah, I think that about myself. I look at myself and I'm like, you're ridiculous. Your eyebrows are too much. Please be quiet. And I can't, I can't bear it. <laughs> Why are you wearing that? You look like a spoon. I so, can't do it to myself. But so
0: during filming, because it was four months of like three cameras uh, following you at three all times. Three cameras,
2: and but 20 people. Like so then, you've got the mic guys, the sound guys. So, so
0: was it something that you got used to or every minute you're like, oh my God, uh, how is this going to look on camera and stuff? Like
2: no, that. no, no. You can't think about that. You got to let go because um, you, can't, you can't think about how is this going to look on camera. You start that. You start that in the first week you start that and then you get so exhausted by week two, or I personally did where I'm like, Oh, just fuck Fuck it. it." Fuck it. Because I'll tell you something. If you try to resist it, you're going to look like you're unnatural, Mm. right? Because I, I felt like if I was trying to censor myself to be less awkward and I'll just come across looking like a robot. So do I actually want this show to do well? And if I want the show to do well, I have to look as relaxed as possible. And thus, I have to let go of control. Mm-hmm. Which is difficult for me because I'm a, I'm a micromanaging control freak. So, mm-hmm. that's tough. But I think that that's the only way you can get through it.
0: So, when you were told that you were selected as one of the final six, was there like, uh, oh shit, do I really want this? Or for you, like, yeah, fuck it, bring it on, man.
2: Um. Well, they pitched it as (laughs) a unscripted docu-series that was going to follow our lives. Um, So I felt like with the brand of Netflix, that's something that I wanted to be a part of. So Mm. I didn't really have any reservations because I felt like Netflix was a tasteful forum Mm. for which to do something like this on. So I had no reservations about that.
1: Mm. Actually, just... Uh, Going to something that Nicole mentioned, and I I think you've also mentioned that you guys have become very close as Mm. friends um, towards the end of the show and and since then. Uh, And she actually, she's also very, a lot about um, female empowerment. Yeah. But hers is in a very, in a way that she is uh, going, penetrating straight into those male-dominated industries like Mm. finance, finance and all that. Whereas yours, I feel like like what you said, it's a, it's it's about showing that you have confidence to go on stage and do what you do right History. so do you, do you find that there's a difference in the way you guys are approaching this this subject of female empowerment not really because
2: at the end of the day who's calling the shots in hollywood it's men mm. and so Although I'm a burlesque artist and burlesque is a feminist niche space, I'm really branching out into and with this Netflix show, definitely so the mainstream entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. And if you branch into the mainstream entertainment industry, the gender inequality is inescapable. Mm. And so... I feel like the issues that Nicole is experiencing are very much the issues that I'm experiencing. At the start, I didn't get it as hard as Nicole. I did an IT, but in burlesque, in the burlesque industry and burlesque circles, it felt easier because it was a feminist space, safe space. But now, as you get better at burlesque and you get more known in burlesque and then you become something more than burlesque, you become entertainment. Mm -hmm you are faced with those challenges. And we really developed a common friendship and I consider her like a sister because now, after this show, we're really only up against gender inequality and that's something that really does need to change.
0: Mm -hmm. So when you say moving into mainstream entertainment, so that means burlesque, bringing burlesque to mainstream or even like acting roles and stuff like that? (laughs)
2: No, Um, it means... Bringing burlesque into the mainstream mm-hmm. with fusions. And that was something that I wanted to do last year was explore how to make burlesque less of a classical niche art form and make it more palatable for say a more mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of why I wanted to ex- experiment with burlesque and hip hop just to see whether that would ever work. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you. Um, (laughs) But also, I don't necessarily want to be a burlesque artist forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I love burlesque, and I will always support the burlesque industry, and I never, ever want to abandon the burlesque industry. But um, performing on stage really takes it out of me, number one. And number two, I feel like I've done my duty to the burlesque industry, on the ground and I want to expand my um, knowledge and experience into higher roles in terms of maybe venues or in terms of I don't know. I I wanna do something that is a little more mainstream that has a bigger impact because there's only so far you can reach when you're in a niche industry. Um, And I think sometimes if you wanna make a massive impact and I'm very, very focused on my women's rights work, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to make a change, you have to have a bigger voice. And I feel like I've kind of reached everywhere everything that i could have done in burlesque i feel like i really have started to not yet i'm not ready to throw the pasty in just yet but mm. i've started to reach the edges of what i can do and how i can make a difference within the burlesque industry
0: so when you say venue you mean like uh a bigger performance or
2: i'm considering um i'm considering creating a burlesque space um like yeah. an academy
0: or something or like a like a venue. Oh, a venue. Yeah. I'm really sick. considering that. that would so, be cool.
2: I'd like to turn my hand at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, uh, uh, be focused on providing spaces for entertainers of all faculties. And I think mm-hmm. that will just give me um more of a voice and and a place that I can I can say more of what I want to say in um, yeah. yeah, I think that's
0: an that feels like a natural evolution. At first, I thought yeah. when you said venues, like you mean architecture or what not. <laughs> so it's still in the burlesque industry, yeah. but but I mean it's kind of like our role when we first started doing small YouTube videos. Now we are still going to be doing writing, but we also want to executive produce other exactly. shows and and kind of kind of like move higher up the chain yeah. so you can work on more. Yeah, that that would be cool. hundred percent. So I'm guessing there are spaces like that in other countries.
2: Yeah. Well, I. I've always said that I want to take my career to LA and Mm -hmm. that's why I've kind of been in and out of LA so much is because I've always known that really when it comes to entertainment, I'm sure you guys have experienced it as well. There's no place like LA and you can hate it or love it. It really is like walking onto a set and no one seems to be who they say they are. And it's absolutely ridiculous in many respects. It's still the place to be if Mm -hmm. you want to really go somewhere and Expand your reach when it comes to entertainment or anything to do with entertainment. So, I feel like that's probably the direction that I'm going to go in. However, having said that, I'm really, really adamant that it was Singapore and it is Singapore that created me, built me, is the reason that I've got so far. And it, it's my family are all here. And so I never want to abandon Singapore and I never want to stop doing events here and I never want to stop supporting Singapore. So even when I traverse towards say stateside, I never want to let go and stop fighting here because Mm -hmm. I still strongly believe that you're never too big for the country that made you. And Mm. also I know how many people that we can impact when we go back home. Those people that are relying on us to make it but also not abandon our roots.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. Because, like, I mean, it'd be so awesome to have a space in Singapore where you can see, like, I don't know, like, a a cool cafe here, this, and then a burlesque uh, club kind of thing.
2: Definitely. There are still spaces. I mean, you can go to Lulu's, you can go to Employees Only. Many of those um, performers that perform there are part of my Singapore Burlesque Society. But it'd be great to... Yeah, to build on that. So um,
0: so that society is the one that Terrence mentioned, the three hundred or so yeah, dancers. So which so is like great. Do they do they have a room where like they have like Halima Yako's picture and then your picture <laughs> next next to next to hers
1: or something?
2: They're just regular dance studios. Regular dance studios. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean would it, wouldn't it be awesome if one day, National Day Parade. Do you know what? Yeah. I have
2: so thought about this. I really have thought about this. Yeah. I've thought like because I absolutely love Dick Lee and mm-hmm. we're, we're friends um, and I have thought about would that ever be a possibility? I think that burlesque is a central art form and you know it. NDP is very kids related. Mm. So It is difficult, Mm -hmm. ethically, whether that would be appropriate. However, I also feel that actors do... Much more raunchy things on screen than I've ever done on stage, yep. and so I feel like there's a place for a burlesque style that could fit into NDP. You never mm, know. That would
0: yeah, be so
3: be cool, crazy, man. Right?
2: That would be. That, that would day. be it. You know,
0: Singapore has has fully has accepted. Up soon, yeah.
2: I agree. <laughs> okay, you know what? Let's remember this conversation yeah. <laughs> and check back in in two years' time. <laughs> NDP.
0: Yeah, so it's not just upcoming sing- singers, upcoming rappers. I uh, like dancers. rap,
1: for example, rap was yeah. you know, It used to be. Yes, Young Raja rap and, and various...
2: all that.
0: Yeah, you know, Young
1: Raja is, is at NDP and all. As well.
0: Yeah. my boy! Yeah, <laughs> I first met Young Raja on the set of Zombie Pura, which was a zombie movie. Stop it! Yeah, so no, I that's I,
2: way back when he was acting.
0: Yeah, so it was. I mean, he had. He was. I mean, for me, he strikes me as like a young. D- like Khal- DJ Khalid, he's all so right. positive and so optimistic. I and love I was that. like, I was love like Dude, his how energy. old are you? He's like, I'm twenty one. I was like, What the fuck? You speak like someone who's been through life. But yeah. yeah, that was before his his rise, like his meteoric rise. Right. So it was cool that to see him and Faris Jabba in Singapore social it's as so well. So good. I yeah. had to
2: bring them in. Yeah. You know what? I um I sat down with him. Because um, I'm friends with that kind of group, because there's, there's really like a little rap scene here that's um, well, it's not little anymore, but it was when I sat down with him. Um, and they're so incredibly groundbreaking. And they really are just, they have a lot to say. And they're brave. And mm-hmm. I remember I heard about him through a friend and I said, Hey, let's meet up because I'm always about supporting other people, especially Brown Singaporeans, not exclusively, but just trailblazing. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Sorry, um, No, no, no. But it's something that I really feel <laughs> like that's an injustice. Um, no, something that really resonates with me personally. So obviously mm-hmm. you're going to pick what resonates with you most. Right. Yeah. Um, but, um, I felt like what he was doing was really, really important. I said, hey, let's meet up. And if there's any synergy, then we should do something together. Mm -hmm. And I remember we met up and I was... Um, chatting about him. We'd only really seen each other in a, the back seat of a car before. Not like that, but um with friends. Grab share is it what? Backseat of a car. Grab share, grab share. Oh God. Awkward. Why are you so awkward? And this is why I don't listen to myself back. Um no. We we'd only like seen each other peripherally before and His energy was exactly like my energy. Keep it positive. Keep smashing it. Be ambitious. Want to do better. Want to be better. Want to change the world. And he was so incredible that I said to him, hey, if ever I get anything huge, I promise you I'm going to bring you into it. I don't care what it is, but I want you to succeed so much and I believe in you so much that if ever I get anything big, I just want you to know and remember this conversation. I'm going to bring you in on it. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was a year later was the Netflix producers contacting me. Mm -hmm. And the first person I thought of was him. And I called him and I said, hey, remember that conversation we had a year ago outside in that cafe and it was really hot and I drank too much coffee and was shaking and being a weirdo. And I said to you that if I ever got anything big, I'm going to bring you in on it. I just got Netflix. Will you come in on it? And he said, yeah.
0: So basically you told the producers, oh, that's why you had that performance that brought in the... the That
2: performance wasn't even a... That performance (laughs) wasn't even a real performance. I created that performance to keep my promise like in Lannister to young Raja because I promised him. And whenever I promise somebody anything, I mean it. Mm -hmm. And second was because I wanted to just do something that was like exceptional because you have this one shot when you're on Netflix, right? You might as well borrow a theater and create an imaginary show and just absolutely annihilate it because you've got this one shot. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you have this one shot to take control of your life. How are you going to do it? It doesn't matter if it fails or it succeeds, just at least go for it with all of your might. So it was that really. Um, and yeah, we created that routine because I promised him that if ever I had anything big, I would support him in any way I could. So... Mm.
0: That is cool. So so what's what's next for Suki Singapore? Of course, hopefully season two, the Chinese New Year video.
2: <laughs> that would be, yeah. Chinese New Year video. Chinese yeah. New Year yeah. special. Well, and I, would, New I special. would really love everyone to just, yeah, get behind the show because of what it represents, not necessarily because of what it is. That would mean everything to me. And I think it would mean everything to a lot of Singaporeans, actually, to be honest, secretly or not. I think us succeeding in this, regardless of what it is, would be quite a phenomenal thing. So mm-hmm. I'm going to work hard at that and really just encourage people to be a part of that and be proud so that's that and um heading over to la and doing stuff out there is obviously on my building the,
0: building the building the place the dream
2: building the dream building the dream yes i feel like i sh- i don't need to chase the dream anymore because i'm kind of clambering fingernail by fingernail up towards it slowly yeah. so yeah just imagine the, dr- the dream has you've already succeeded in it and just go for it
1: yeah in the National Day Parade in this decade <laughs> and <laughs> then obviously <laughs> what? The
2: what how, how could I forget obviously yeah. in two yeah. years time to I've got the National Day Parade yeah. Um, so Singapura. yeah I need to prepare for life. that <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean we
1: laugh about it now but when it, when it happens yeah. When I it love happens. that you said when
2: it happens yeah. Yeah. When not it happens. if and oh,
0: then, I I then you can do the same you know. thing like you did to Young Roger. like you can tell us remember that conversation we had five years ago he's already
2: done NDP so it'll have to be somebody else that's true yeah it will yeah that's true It'll yeah. probably be my backing dancers. Every single backing dancer who has ever been beside me on stage where I've said, if ever anything big happens, I'll bring you in on it. I I can say now that I'll bring you in on it. Yeah.
0: So that those backing dancers are also burlesque practitioners or just they, I mean, focus on dancing? They're
2: part of the burlesque society. Okay, and okay. they're friends of mine that I we banded together when we were pushing back against the... Um, I guess the, the judgment of burlesque and and struggling to get burlesque recognized and struggling to perform burlesque, Mm. they stood beside me and they learned burlesque as well. And, um, they've been with me from the start. They've been with me from when burlesque wasn't a burlesque scene here. And so, yeah, they're, they're, they're just part of the journey.
0: Are any of them doing it full time?
2: um no i th- i still think tragically that i'm the only professional burlesque artist in singapore i believe i could be wrong but i think that's the case mm-hmm. um there they do other forms of, of dance as well so mm-hmm. um Marquee, they're performing there and they do a little bit here there and everywhere professional corporate shows as well i think yeah i think i'm the only burlesque artist w- professional. what about southeast just- asia Bilesque. Southeast Asia. No, there's a couple more of us in Southeast Asia. Quite a few more of us in Southeast Where Asia. From? There's um the Philippines, the lovely mm-hmm. um, Manila. There's a Manila balas scene. Thailand.
0: Um, I'm guessing Malaysia. No, no.
2: I don't. I I'm not so much Malaysia. But I, I wouldn't profess to know every single Asian burlesque artist. Mm-hmm. So um but there's there's a growing number of us. Yeah. There really are.
1: Well, I think it's awesome that you even as the lone burlesque artist uh, in professional in Singapore, that you're already thinking of how to give back to the mm. people who, who, you know, who yeah. started from the bottom, so to speak, with you. Yeah. Because uh, it's very easy in a small country like Singapore where media corp dominates everything, especially like in, in, in our industry, right? Like you sort of everyone sort of guards their own pie. They don't. you yeah. don't see it as a pie that is that can grow globally and everything. Right. Yeah. So like what you said about Singapore social, you know, showing that you know people in LA can watch a show like Singapore social and, and that relate to that. And then you also like going out there and saying, you know, I promise you guys, like if if I make it big, you're coming with me. I do that I think in that's life. A hundred percent. I think
2: it's so important yeah. and to. To keep your word when you say it, mean it. I believe in the power of kindness. I believe that it doesn't matter how anyone is around you, you should always be kind. And if I find a kind person that I really resonate with, I want them to succeed. Mm. I genuinely want them to succeed. And if I have any capability of helping them, I don't care if I just met you or I've known you for 10 years, if you're a kind person and you really want something, I will try and help you get that even if it's not my responsibility to because that's just that's just how I think it should be
0: in the spirit of collaboration I was just thinking as our show comes out next week about a guy who falls in love with a terrorist hopefully we get season 2 for that and our terrorists are all female yeah. so yeah. the only thing is you're also dark skinned which is what we're trying to avoid like a dark skinned terrorist okay. so all our terrorists are light skinned as, as
1: if we don't want to reinforce we don't want to <laughs> yeah. reinforce a stereotype, stereotype. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. but also don't person. be afraid of it yeah, yeah. yeah. or maybe yeah. like in season 2 they could plan something around a
2: burlesque event I would yeah. be down oh for that actually I will say I will say this one thing that I have been following you guys before you even reach out to me and um, I'm I'm Really, really proud of you both. Thank you I really, so much. really am. Everything that you do is so, so incredible. You cover topics that people are afraid to cover. You put yourselves out there and you discuss things that are taboo. You discuss things that no one would ever even be brave enough to discuss. You discuss things from an intellectual, pragmatic point of view and um, so beautifully. And your editing is so phenomenal. I really, really am so proud that you've landed this show because you... I'm two of the most hardworking people, I think. I, I, honestly, my, my dad also watches your YouTube videos. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, shit. And he, because he's stuck in the UK now, um, he's not very well, so he's stuck in the UK. And you're one of the channels that he watches to keep up to date oh, with everything that's ooh. happening in Singapore. And so just everything that you do for all generations, I think is so powerful. Thank you for being that voice of representation that we Desperately yeah. need. Thanks no, so way, much. Th- thanks
1: for being on the podcast. Because actually a lot of people who listen to our podcast are people who are away from Singapore. Mm. Like for not 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 of their own volition. Like they work on a ship or something and yeah. they say this is a way for them to stay in touch with what people are talking about and thinking about here. But but not just reading mean comments like, uh, you know, like right. people <laughs> yeah. warriors. Yeah, Shout so, so. out to my dad. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you're gonna tell him to listen to this, right?
0: Listen yeah. to this? Okay, Hi. cool.
2: Sorry about the part where I said you were strict.
3: <laughs> but
2: Thanks. you kind of are.
0: Thanks, Mr. Menon. That's, that's his name.
2: Prem Menon.
3: Prem Menon. Okay, yeah. cool.
0: Shout out to Prem Menon. Cool. <laughs> cool.
1: That's cool. a good time to transition to our, how we end our podcast which just mm-hmm. to also uh, just to share with people listening about one short thing that you might have encountered in the last week or so. It could be anything like a person, a, a video, a song, something, a song, a cafe, whatever. A Portuguese egg tart
3: or you ate or yeah, something, <laughs> something like that. Something like, that made you feel anything. something. So yeah, that
2: any something. something that made me feel something. Yeah, yeah.
0: and the reason yeah. why we didn't tell you before is because we also wanted to. I mean, this podcast, what okay. we like is you don't think before; you just come here and just talk. Okay, so well, now, that's me every day, so don't yeah. worry about
2: that. <laughs> 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 um, okay, I'll tell you what happened. Something that was like really impactful for me. It's it n- not coming from any place of like ego, but just that was just the cutest thing ever. Um, I was. On my way to another interview, um, much less chill, um, but I was dressed up obviously with my hair and everything. And this mom and her two young girls were walking past me. And the girls were like talking about my hair and pulling on their mom's hand and saying, uh, uh, but the, the mom was like dragging them along. And then one of them I saw around the corner cause I could see this and I'm pretending not to notice cause I'm shy, so I'm shy of kids as well. I'm shy of everyone except cats. Um, I saw one of the girls was super brave and she goes, mommy, please can we tell her her hair is nice? And then they, the mom goes, yeah, okay, go on then. And they came up to me and there were two little girl sisters and they go, I just wanted to say your hair is really nice. And it was just so amazing. And then the mom saw the power of kindness and, she, and hopefully she's taken that into her day that actually, you know what, you should t- take a minute to tell people something positive about them that you like because that just makes such a difference to their day. So, yeah, mm. that was like a a moment for me. And that happened when? Two days ago.
0: So, is with your current uh, hair color?
2: My current hair color, which okay. is now pink and orange and purple, maybe. Is it?
0: I'm colorblind, so <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> so I can see different Witches, colors, which is <laughs> wink,
2: wink, green and blue. But,
1: but do, do, I just uh, know do you it's You find colorful. people uh, are shy coming up to you to to say yeah, oh, people I love you are sh- and the show.
2: Yes, people yeah. are shy. But this is Singapore, so yeah. people are shy. But people are shy coming up to me because they think I'm like this vivacious character that's like a clown rainbow creature. And actually, I'm honestly, if somebody went boo, I'd shit my pants if you don't mind me saying because I'm that. Socially awkward. So actually, when they come up to me, I please come up to me because a it really means a lot to me, and b yeah. I'm more terrified of you than you are of me. So we can just be weird together.
1: So, so you're okay with people coming up to you if you're in the middle of lunch or something? I don't mind. Yeah, you picture. know, if you,
2: yeah, I'm not bothered about that. Yeah, I I'm shy, so occasionally I'll be I'll hide, mm-hmm. I'll try to hide, um, but. I think if you really make somebody's day enough that they're coming up to you and tr- wanting to take a picture... Yeah. Aren't those the people that made you by watching your stuff? So exactly. I feel like you—it's kind of a service to be like, "Hey, thanks." Yeah.
1: So the PSA out there is, yeah, if you see Suki Sing, just artistry, go up and say hi. Go up and say yeah. hi. <laughs>
0: I mean,
2: unless I'm like balls deep in some chips and I have like juice all over my face, maybe not. All the then. More go and say hi and
3: take a picture. <laughs> <of> yeah. <laughs> <think of something. laughs> well, that, that's cool.
1: interesting because, like I think, uh, yeah, some people say, you know, especially having been in reality TV and all some people don't like being uh, approached on the streets or, or you know like the surreptitious like I'll take a photo from afar.
2: Oh, that, that, thing, that yeah. I think is weirder. That's weird. Like, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, that's yeah. super Especially weird. Especially now with the super zoom lenses. Yeah, super that's phone, happened phone to me phone. and uh-huh. I,
2: it freaks me out. I'd rather know that you know than find out later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but how do you find out? Like did they DM you? Because they tagged me. Oh, oh
2: shit. Oh, so oh yeah, 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 it was, um, I'll tell you who, I don't know who you are but I, I will find you. Um, this, this person tagged me. I was outside 1880 and their camera lens is zooming in on me from inside Publico, oh, the geez. restaurant. Wow. So they're sitting having coffee, watching me just obliviously get into, wow. like, completely unawares, get into a cab. Isn't that weird? Well, that's
3: creepy. Oh, that's this so
2: freaky. Why are you doing that? Oh, yeah, my God. Paparazzi,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it's not. It's just called <laughs> Stalker. Yeah, if it's not your job. It's a stalker <laughs> Oh man <laughs> Cool cool
1: so What's your one shock thing? Do you have one? Yeah I do Okay you go first uh, I mean it's very Chinese But I saw Ip Man 4 over the weekend And uh, I think uh, growing up in the age of You know watching Kung Fu movies In the mm. 80s and 90s This is probably like the The most millennial Kung Fu experience That you can get like you know it's it's really like the kung fu action sequences were breathtaking, and and even as a, I mean the whole thing about oh Chinese kung fu is the most important thing in the world was really heavy handed, and and mm. the the whole thing was kind of racist also because they 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 made it literally about um, beating up a U.S. marine like Ip Man had to yeah. beat up a U.S. marine to prove that Chinese kung fu is better than karate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's something about China and U.S. relations. It, that was really heavy handed, yeah. but the rest of the show was like the kung fu moves and the the fighting all was, was just was pretty breathtaking to watch. Huh? Oh, really? Yeah? And, and and I'm just watching it as a... No, not because I'm proud of Chinese Kung Fu or anything, but just, you know, a fan of, like, martial arts and mm. everything. It was just a very, very few times I, I walked in the cinema and have, like, experience that, I, oh, that like, was such an amazing cinematic experience do you
0: wear like a Chinese collar jacket and all when you
3: no, watched it unfortunately no yeah.
1: unfortunately <laughs> but I went home and practiced so, the, the one inch punch and everything so like you that. would recommend watching it yeah yeah yeah. because culturally I think even you know there a lot of Americans who like Kung Fu mm-hmm. who respect Bruce Lee there's like a Bruce Lee fight sequence in there that was pretty awesome and Donnie Yen Apparently this is his last Iman And he's Long. like 50 right When it He's he filmed like 50 it? Yeah yeah Fuck, So man. he still He
0: still Whoa, looks awesome Don't
2: write off a guy Who's 50 Oh yeah yeah,
0: yeah. 50 is a new 40 I'm Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean 30 is a new to anyone, Right <laughs> Exactly So yeah yeah So I mean uh,
1: Yeah from the lone Chinese guy in the room I'm just saying <laughs> It's worth watching Even if you don't Oh you're
0: overcompensating Is it Your one show thing Must be pro- Must be Chinese <laughs> <that I'm laughs> I'm Surrounded well, that was my show thing. Okay, my one show thing is something that I recently started doing. Uh, so, you all heard of kettlebells? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's So, I always was skeptical about how, how good, how effective, how different it is from a dumbbell. And I recently acquired one and it's actually pretty fucking awesome. Like I just want to shout out to, to kettlebells. Whoa. And if, if anyone is thinking about getting one, it really is a different kind of exercise. Uh, for those of you who don't know what kettlebells are, kettlebell, kettlebells are, it's actually like a... Like a solid block of iron with a handle.
1: Is there a reason why it's a kettlebell? Like, yeah, because it looks like a kettle. Or it what? looks like, like K-E-T-T-L-E. But right? I don't
0: yeah. know, I don't know what is the origins of the name. All I know, okay. it was big in the Soviet Union. Uh, during the time of the, the, the when it was still a communist country, and then it was it produced a lot of weightlifting champions and all that. But
1: what's the difference between like doing that and just swinging your dumbbells? Yeah, uh, you know, your grocery bag and like you know,
0: because grocery bags, up. first of all, what the fuck are you using plastic bags? And oh, also, you mean, uh, the if you <laughs> do the swing over your head, your <laughs> yeah. groceries are gonna fall out Not onto your head, so Exactly, your No, so, so, <laughs> and also, the thing is, the most famous move is the kettlebell swing where the kettlebell needs to go between your legs. Mm. Uh, so, if you're carrying groceries and all, it'll be very hefty. Like, Oh, that's and true. also the handle of the kettlebell. So I always used to think like, "Fuck, just use a dumbbell." But because of the way it's it's made, it actually causes a lot of your other muscles to work
2: yeah so it does go, especially your glutes yeah, yeah. So you yeah. You try kettlebells I well? do kettlebells every week oh really yeah. like the kettlebell swings and all yeah. that looks like you're my, just my PT Jason Chi yeah. here yeah. yeah that's like what we do strength yeah. but always wear gloves so you don't get calluses oh. on your hands because it actually when it rotates mm. when you're doing it between mm. your correct, leg correct, it correct. rubs and yeah. then you end up like with weird corpse hands it's is not the cute idea, on a date
1: like the idea is to to actually it approximates actually carrying like like a kettle like plastic no not really
2: like that it's <laughs> more like lifting.
1: <laughs> no, okay, so so the benefits based
0: on Are what... Are you hungry?
2: What? I feel <laughs> like you're making a lot of food <laughs> like, what references. What does your wife <laughs> make you do when you <laughs> buy groceries? Like, like,
0: carry them oh, carry we need them. to get
2: this guy a snack. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so the basic thing about kettlebells is because it is uh, an awkward angle that you have to carry it. Yeah. Because if you imagine a dumbbell, if you were to push it over your head, yeah. it it rests on the alignment of your wrist and your mm. bones. So you don't need any muscle to hold it up. But because this kettlebell, the gravity is off-center, yeah. it trains your forearm. Yeah. And also because it's off-center, it forces your core to stabilize like, mm. as mm-hmm. opposed to just using a dumbbell. And also the kettlebell swing, it is, is literally uses every muscle in your body Mm. and it works on the hip hinge which is the biggest Mm. point of flexion in your body Mm -hmm. so based on all that I was like what the fuck but it actually has a very it's actually fun to do as well so you're yeah.
1: a kettlebell
3: no? he's I now think, a gym bro I, I think, I think yeah, bro. I'm, I'm swole bro <laughs> swole. No, I'm, I'm still a Can tiny tiny Indian man <laughs>
1: <laughs> the you're <rush>. like, <laughs> you're like those you're know, those kids who do rowing and then they carry the oar around oh yeah, and yeah. And walk no around. no I don't carry you the don't, kettlebell like, around me no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. you don't carry yeah. it in your bag
0: let oh. me feel your no, muscles no.
1: no
2: come on no come on give us no, a knock No, you're making me making me conscious. no no give him a squeeze on the slide
0: but yeah kettlebells are awesome and like you get it in like ways I think from your friendly decathlon yeah, you get like four kg upwards, like thirty-two kg, I think.
1: So kettlebells endorsed by Suki Singapore. Whoa, she just yeah. flashed the bicep. Damn, a flex. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and she takes a handbag, handbag off a chair.
2: <laughs> I will never go on the floor ever. <laughs> 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 cool.
3: Kettlebells
1: on
0: the floor, but handbag Yeah, handbag, handbag <laughs> and out. Yeah, but cool. cool, cool, cool. Thank you so much for joining us, Suki.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Awesome,
0: awesome. Hope really you had fun. Enjoyable. Yes, indeed. Cool. All right, and to all of you, uh, listen up for. The same, that we're still going to release a weekly podcast this year, yeah, of Yola, but yeah. when we talk about current affairs, this was just a, a, little, a little nice interview we did. Yeah. Thank you and talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.